0: The world famous Abbey Road Studios. Everyone knows the stories of the bands who've recorded there, but who are the people behind the scenes that make the studio tick? I'm Paul Saxton. Join me on this exclusive series with Virgin Atlantic, where we chat to the heroes who bring a family spirit to number three, Abbey Road. Uh,
1: my name's Christian Wright. I'm a mastering engineer at Abbey Road Studios and I've been working here for
0: 21 years. And it don't seem a day too much.
1: No, it doesn't. Mainly it doesn't. Mainly doesn't. Mainly doesn't. I, th- I think work Work is, I think what's hard is eventually, you know, all work is work. I'm sure you love doing what you do, but in the end, you know, kind of, um, it will never be the same as my first day being 19 years of age coming across the famous, you know, Zebra Cross inn. And your heart's pumping. I also wore a suit on my first day and got um, laughed at very much by the old the old school guys here. But suit aside, um, yeah, you know, kind of, th- of course, there's a, there's a thrill, but, you know, kind of it also in, in a positive way, it becomes work. Because when you're in a room working on people's music, you want to be doing the best you can do, not thinking, oh, my God, I'm so lucky to be here. You know, you kind of, it's important. You're kind of just, yeah, just hopefully professionally doing the best you can.
0: Yeah. How did you get here? In terms of um, you know, did you uh, was there a specific job that you applied for, or what was the deal?
1: Um, I I'm, I'm kind of quite different from a lot of the staff on the engineering side. Um, I didn't go to uni, so I guess um, it's nice to kind of say that and give some hope to you know. You meet a lot of uh, you know a lot of people want to get into engineering production. You know, mastering mm. in, in my case, and it's nice to be able to say yeah, I, I didn't go to uni, and, and in many respects, I guess I learned here you know I mean obviously I had a level of of you know information and schooling but um yeah I came from yeah from a comprehensive school doing A-levels and I was a runner in Soho I was actually there last night getting memories of running around basic basically literally as a runner at this post-production place it was you know kind of um making coffees for Liam Neeson or, or or you know Ainsley Harriet. and then a month into that I was having a blast but I got a call for Abbey Road and they were downsizing from four people to two and we're taking on two new hires and I got a job age 19 at Abbey Road. Um, so I got very, just very lucky. I sent off 50 CVs, yeah. not digitally, hand, no. hand out, you know, I think my dad took them to his work and, you know, as everyone does, or used to do probably more so, you know, steal some office supplies, bind them quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I only got a B and a C at A level and, you know, yeah, I don't know whether anyone would still get that to be at Abbey Road. I think it's important probably to put that out there as well. I think in music... I don't think you need straight A's and physics, and I think being able to communicate with musicians and humans and you know that's important and I'm not just saying that this is why I'm good at my job. I'm saying it the other way around in that perhaps I hope that this industry uh you know kind of democratizes the opportunities in that sense further and should do because um yeah this this you know there's a level of physics, mm. but I don't think this industry and this job should be about straight a's and perhaps people who've been schooled to perfectly get to a job.
0: How's the job changing in the time you've been here? I mean, are you, are you still doing anything the same way as you were in, uh, was years ago? I was, you know, I was thinking about this, knowing that we were going to chat.
1: And when I started, the first room I was in had lots of cassettes behind a, a glass door. Mm. And, um, yeah, they're selling cassettes again. No, no. Um, I, I think technology allows you to do more. And I think many people outside of Abbey Road hope and dream that we're all still here just on tape machines and just everything's captured live and that's all that In matters. In white coats and all In that. In white coats, exactly, yeah. Um But that's not the most exciting producers now. The most exciting producers are electronic dance music producers who are manipulating, uh, you know, kind of audio and using, you know, kind of plugins and doing this amazing stuff. And, and we do have you know, some of the most exciting names, you know, through here still, you know, Little Sims in Studio One more recently, like nothing to do with myself, but, you know, kind of, or, you know, kind of Frank Ocean, Um, you know, there there are amazing artists who are pushing boundaries and I I don't think, you know, putting mics up in a room and capturing a band live like the 60s, it it has fun, it has a place in the world, but that's not what is pushing the boundaries of music production. Mm. Um, And people probably think, that's what we're doing, and we're not. We're involved in so many genres of music, so many exciting elements of music. And the key thing of that is, the technology has changed, and you know, we we, we change with that.
0: But I mean, don't you think that there's always been a sort of a sense of mystery from people who are not involved in music at all, that they, they've never fully known what a producer does, and probably don't fully know what an engineer does or even did back in the day.
1: For sure, and I, th- I think the same even with you know, like let's let's look at something like AutoTune being the obvious one. You know, kind of everyone becomes aware of it when Cher uses it in a strange way. And yet it was there as a tool um, to, you know, kind of technically make things perfect. Now it is fundamentally what defines modern hip-hop and, and and pop music in that you can bend it and manipulate it and then you can also use it in that pretty much everyone is is, is having their, their vocals tuned to a level, even some of the, you know, the absolute best performers. And and that's the point. You take a tool, it gets manipulated in a way and, and now it's, you know, and, and yeah, and, and people people wouldn't know that, that, that what that tool does and how it exists and, and people like to think that they know and that they'll tell you, you know, perhaps kind of how it all, all, all works. But um, no, I think that's, there's a positive in the mystery of it. I think you don't want to, you don't want to unpick everything, but then there's also a real hunger, you know, kind of, you can learn so much from production on YouTube. I say this to people when they're like, "Kind oh, of, should I go to uni?" It's just like, "Well, start now." Just I'm, I'm still doing mm-hmm. it. I'm learning. You know, there'll be a 15 year old kid in Idaho with a YouTube channel who's doing something crazy. Who's, you know, te- teaching me that I'll jump on it. It's like, you know, kind of the information's there, so it's exciting.
0: Is there a, a maybe a producer or perhaps it's an engineer that you you looked up to? Perhaps you still do, or somebody that would you know you know came through here or achieved great things here that was a real inspiration for you?
1: I mean, I'll, I'll let you guess. Who, who, who would I say?
0: <laughs> well, um, it wouldn't be something to do with the Beatles by any chance, would it? It
1: would, yeah. Well, the, the thing being, so, so when I did my A-levels on, on that brief period of, of education, um, we watched a Sergeant Pepper's documentary. Basically, it was like music tech didn't exist mm. at my school and there was two of us ended up doing it and they hired in a teacher to come in and he was obsessed with the Beatles. And he, um, and I don't think he ever knew I ended up working here. I didn't actually get on with him great, so I feel bad. <laughs> oh. if, if you're listening, Mr. Waller, i, I got a job at Abbey Rose. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so it was exciting. I did listen to Strawberry Fields and and hear, you know, kind of the the Indian, the South Asian percussion on one side and the English percussion on another and that that weird stereo uh, use, which wasn't how I should have been listening to it. I should have been listening to it in mono, but that's a different conversation. Um but yeah it it was george martin i mean he's you know seemed like such a likeable person anyway and i think that's important so i think some of the myths i i think what's definitely become interesting over the last like 5 to 10 years is that the the myths of suffering for your art or people who are quite like kind of negative personalities seems to have been realised that that's not necessarily a, a good thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Doing what you do, I mean, you you would understand more about um, what it is that artists do in, 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 at a level that most listeners don't get to experience, I would imagine, because, you know, you're, you're, you're hearing all these things on uh, at various different stages of their development, helping for that to realised, aren't you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, mastering is like the final stage of the, of the process mm. so it's the last moment you can change things sonically mm. before it's, you know, these days, ingested mm. to streaming services but fundamentally, you know, In the past, we were called Cutting Engineers, so before it got cut to vinyl. It's that last moment before you can change something, before it goes out into the world. So you kind of have this amazing moment where the album's done, and the artist is normally celebrating. I mean, maybe they thought you did a terrible job, so they're crying (laughs) in the corner. But pretty much, I would say, you know, kind of 9.9 times out of 10, more than that, 10 out of 10. they're, they're, They're excited, you know, they're like, they've spent years maybe on this. And yeah, there is... The writing, the pre-production. There's the kind of the actual then perhaps tracking it, and then there's working with different producers. There's sometimes they've gone through a tough time where they've had to change the team before they get to the mastering stage. So, so yeah, like I've I've definitely you know heard every story of the creative process of how that is. Um, I'm I'm lucky to to manage artists as well, so firsthand I, I I now you know, kind of, yeah, take those kind of, it's a horrible term of that exec producer role where you're pairing people together and, you, and you're working on it. So I've definitely seen it firsthand how it it does feel like a big, horrible word overused, but journey for the artist to get to, to finish. And perhaps there's a bit of a conversation around albums now not having the same impacts in terms of how people consume music. But for an artist, I still think even younger artists still see the album as that body of work that story that narrative something they pull together and that's what we do in mastering it's pulling together that album yeah
0: yeah and no, i quite agree with that and, and thank goodness it's still with us you know i mean i think there was a point uh, school of thought a few years ago where the, the album was definitely on the way out in the in the digital era but i don't think so
1: i think people like Billie eilish bringing together that body of work and and we're obsessed with data now. We can we can know where someone's listening to it, you know, kind of and, and various things ab- about that person. But we certainly discovered that young fans, young music lovers, the future of music consumption, that sounds cold, you know, the, the, the future of music yeah. are people that are listening to, say, Billy Eilish's records start to finish. Um and maybe that's just because, you know, Billy Eilish gave them something more, like, in that sense, you know. And, and I think the same as well in the last couple of weeks with, with Kanye and Drake, you know, being the most streamed records. And um, they're still... Yeah, so the album's the albums here. It's not going away.
0: Favourite album that you've uh, mastered at Abbey Road?
1: I'd have to say Let Them Eat Chaos, I think. Um, it's by K Tempest and... They are an amazing spoken word um, artist, but obviously, as a you know kind of musician, and and this album basically has a chronology, start to finish, um, and it weaves stories of different people amongst it, whilst having these amazing. Um, it covers everything, you know, kind of like global warming, gentrification, um, you know, kind of uh, drug use, and and you know, kind of it, it's it's just. I don't know, it's just something else as, as, as a body of work. Um, so, yeah, that that's probably just... Yeah, just, there's definitely a, a, a deeper sense to it. And and I think sometimes what politics is quite hard for... Um, I think people like, you know, kind of um, Dave and Stormzy are doing a great job of being able to, you know, kind of bring current affairs and politics into their art at the moment. But for the most part, it's sometimes quite clunky and can be a little bit, you know, kind of um, hard to verbalise and get out there. And this album... Does it through the stories of, of the narrative of these these fictional people, um, and yeah, I recommend it to anyone.
0: And uh, over the years, over the many years here, you—I mean—you've certainly seen, seen some adventures and appearances in this place, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of Grace Jones popping out from behind a, a tree while she was just like jumping her, her crew in the garden, or you know, kind of. Brian May wandering out with his famous guitar because the fire alarms had gone off. I think someone was smoking something they shouldn't have near a fire alarm. This was back in the day when you, when you did. But um, apparently, there's a take of him, you know, kind of a bit gutted that he was mid mid performance and the fire alarms had gone off. But he came out <laughs> with his with his beloved guitar um, out into the garden. So we all stood there. Yeah, I guess you become one and the same when you're waiting for a fire alarm to stop. That's right. Um, so so yeah. So you know. Um, yeah, there's been lots of lots of moments. Um,
0: Stevie Wonder was here, wasn't he, one time? And you, 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 I saw
1: Stevie Wonder play live. Yeah, that was just amazing. So, so when you start in the morning, you come down for breakfast at Abbey Road. The Studio One doors are open, so Studio One is originally the big classical space. Mm. It's the world's first purpose-built recording space. There's footage of Elgar at the opening ceremony, previously a classical studio, now predominantly used for film scores. And you go past those studio doors, they're wide open, and they're tuning, that beautiful sound of the orchestra tuning. So you have that symbiosis of what that space is, it's film score. And then you stood there and you're watching Stevie Wonder on a stage in there and you're like... Yeah, you, you know, at those moments, you know, like I appreciate I'm such a lucky person as a music fan to work here, um, and I try and myth bust that and go on about it being a job. And right. occasionally there are moments like that that are that are ridiculous. And it's the same in that same space and in this same context, like Kanye West playing in there. Um, I think, I think it's the fact that he, he was he was really cool about it as well. Like it was clearly an industry crowd. He's doing late orchestration. He's got this. Uh, a string quartet I'm not sure how many members of, of, of strings he actually had I'm going to go with the quartet and we'll double check the numbers later um, but he could tell the crowd weren't like going for it and he, he was he was probably very un and just said to everyone look I know most of you here probably got some free tickets but if you could just give it your all and and I think it was pre-drama Kanye you know it was at a time when you know kind of it was just maybe about the music really and you know kind of I'm not saying that he still isn't you know an amazing producer um, just comes with a lot of uh, a lot more these days. So it's kind of magic to have seen him then and again inside Studio One, and uh, Queen B and Jay Z were watching it from the balcony. So you know, kind of uh, they had better seats than me, but it's fair enough. You know, <laughs> they they they've done some good stuff. Yes, um,
0: you get to see the other side of uh, of famous people sometimes, don't you? I,
1: I think kind of the, the what is fame, I think most people are, are fine. I think I think anyone is perhaps there are some people who have you know kind of you know perhaps lost perception of reality because people have built something around them as perhaps the people around them. But anyone who's being difficult, it's about them. I think this is generally for, for thoughts as a human, like it's their anxiety, it's their concern. And you just have to kind of, you know, dig through that and support that sometimes. That's what you're doing with artists. You know, it's it's not you. It's not that they're like kind of angry at you. It's their anxiety they're coping with. An artist more than anyone Someone once said to me, so Ian Grimble, an ex-engineer from here, actually, he said, you know, kind of artists are strange in that they put a lot of themselves out there. They're quite, you know, kind of anxious, kind of people who, who but but they then end up putting themselves on a stage, and it's this terrible marriage in and in, in, in that you're taking somebody who's very vulnerable, and yet they're putting themselves in a position of vulnerability to the max. So yeah, you just have to be kind of aware of that and and just you know that's a big part of what we do just supporting you know artists through all those processes
0: chris it's great to talk to you here's the next 21 years
1: hopefully yeah yeah if i'm still alive um but yeah abbey road will certainly be here
0: abbey road studios enjoying 90 years in operation if you enjoyed this then why not check out our other episodes on virgin atlantic vera